When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now they were dwelling in Jerusalem, Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. Peter, standing with the eleven, lifted up his voice and addressed them, Men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, give ear to my words. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know for certain that God has made him both Lord and Christ, this Jesus whom you crucified. So those who received his word were baptized, and there were added that day about 3,000 souls. That's Acts chapter 2, greatly condensed. I just read five verses. It's Pentecost. It's the birthday of the church. Most likely, Sunday, May the 28th, 30 A.D. Pentecost comes from the Greek word, Pentecoste. It means 50th. It's the 50th day when you're counting, starting at Passover. Ten days after Ascension Thursday. Usually Pentecost falls in May, though it fluctuates because it's attached to the date of Easter. And that date varies by calendar and tradition. So sometimes Pentecost is in June. It's also called, of course, in Judaism, the Feast of Weeks or Shavuot and commemorates the giving of the law at Sinai. In the Jewish books, which are not part of the Old Testament, Israel arrived at Sinai 50 days after Passover. Pentecost is also called Whit Sunday, especially in Great Britain. Now, to appreciate the day, we need to spend a little bit of time in the Old Testament and then a little bit of time in the New Testament fleshing out the symbolism. Under the old law, there were three feasts at which the presence of every male Israelite was required. Passover and Pentecost were the first two. And of course, there in the spring and the autumn, uh, there is one more, the Feast of Tabernacles. But Pentecost is a pilgrim holiday. That means that for most people, unless they actually lived in Jerusalem, of course, uh, they had to make a journey perhaps a journey that would take several days to get from wherever they lived, whether in Israel or even in another country, all the way to Jerusalem. And since uh, Pentecost was so close to Passover, those who really had to travel presumably stayed the extra weeks in Jerusalem rather than go all the way home and then turn around after you know, unpacking the suitcases. In the Old Testament book of Deuteronomy, and this is not the only place where we um, read about uh, the, the feast, uh, but here we do get some good background, so I'd like to read from chapter 16. You shall count seven weeks. Begin to count the seven weeks from the time the sickle is first put to the standing grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God with the tribute of a freewill offering from your hand, which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless, the, place, uh, the widow who are among you. At the place the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there, you shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. So what do we see in the Old Testament about this day of Pentecost. It was a time of rejoicing. 
It's a time when Israel was asked to remember where they came from. When the people of God are asked to remember gratefully the slavery from which they had been delivered. It's a time of offering and giving. A time of careful obedience. This is the background of Pentecost. Why would the church start on that day? Why would the Holy Spirit be poured out on that day? Well, it's a day of first fruits. It's a harvest festival where bread made from wheat was offered. The Holy Spirit being poured out in a way is first fruits. The Spirit is a deposit given to us according to 2 Corinthians and Ephesians. The Spirit is just a foretaste of what will happen in the age to come. But of course, there's another symbolism, and that's that the first fruits are people. Those reached with the gospel are first fruits. It's the beginning of the harvest. How appropriate. Often people imagine that the main reason 3,000 were baptized is that the apostles were speaking, Peter was preaching, miracles were in evidence, and that if we just had their faith, it would be the same today. It's a little bit misleading. Pentecost was the culmination of three years of preaching and teaching. We know from studying the chronology of John's gospel that Jesus' ministry lasted three years, or maybe more, maybe even up to four years. And so he's been preaching in Judea, Samaria, and Galilee, but he deputized others. He had the 12. There are the 72. And so I look at Pentecost as the culmination of several years of preaching and teaching. Not to mention that many were ready for the new age to begin. Even when Jesus was a baby, you had people like Simeon and Hannah who were, who were prepared, they were waiting. And so Pentecost is a beginning, but it's also an end. It's an end of this uh, process of planting seed and watering. Now those present at Pentecost would have been the more serious biblically oriented Jews. Passover is the festival that everyone would come in for. But Pentecost really tests your commitment. It's not so convenient. I've often wondered, well, why didn't the Lord have these three required feasts spaced evenly throughout the year? Well, I'm sure he has his reasons, but it certainly would have tested your commitment. I guess in popular Christianity, many people go to church at Easter. How many people go to church the following Sunday? Far fewer, at least in traditional Christianity. So those present would have been more biblically-minded Jews. And a huge number respond to the gospel message. In fact, 3,000 are baptized. 3,000 men, uh, of course, the, the counting was men only, didn't count women. 3,000 males. And this number was never equaled again. In Acts 4, we read that the number of males had grown to 5,000. I don't know how much later that was, but... That proves that they weren't baptizing 3,000 men every Sunday. So we have to be beware of false comparisons. If we had had Jesus and his apostles and the 72 and perhaps the 500 all spreading the word for several years in our county or our state or our nation, we probably would have had an enormous harvest as well. Now that's not to discourage faith. Let's have faith. Let's share the word. Let's plant seed. Let's water. Let's pray. 
But we have to be careful about false comparisons. Pentecost is the initiation of a new covenant. I know that we normally divide the Bible between Malachi and Matthew, or if you're using the order of the Hebrew Bible, between Chronicles and Matthew, because that's the last book. That's to divide it between the Testaments. But in a very real way, the old law, though rendered powerless or in, deactivated at the cross, Hebrews 9, 15 to 17, the old law wasn't fully superseded until the new covenant went into effect. And that's not in the Gospels, though everyone gets a taste of it. That's not in Acts 1. It only happens in Acts 2. So you could divide the Bible between Malachi and Matthew, or you could divide it 90 chapters later. The Old Testament ending in Acts 1, the New Testament ending, uh, beginning in Acts chapter 2. Well, that's the Old Testament background of Pentecost. That's a little bit on the symbolism. I hope that's helpful. In the notes that accompany this podcast, uh, there are some uh, questions for further study and some links. And I hope also, if you haven't heard it, you will listen to the podcast, also at this website, Surprises from Acts chapter 2. And that's all I have to say for now about Pentecost.